Welcome to the Playmaker Podcast, a podcast for people who want to sell different. Playmakers wage war against traditional sales and win. Remember, success is just one play away. Welcome, everybody, to the Playmaker Podcast. You're live here. You got your host, Gabe Larson. I'm excited. We've got a uh, a gentleman will be joining us today. We're going to be talking about this kind of data predictive kind of AI stuff that's going on. Um, we've got a gentleman by the name of Matt Adump. Matt, how do I say your last name? It's Amundsen, like Anderson. Yeah, Amundsen. Um, he's joining us from Everstring, VP of Marketing and Sales Development. Um, cool stuff going on at Everstring, um, but also a really cool background. Um, so thanks so much for joining, Matt, and, and how the heck are you? I'm great, Gabe. Thanks for having me. I am a longtime listener, first-time caller. Always wanted to say that. So uh, I, I, was, I was listening to one of your podcasts last night uh, with, uh, with my man, uh, Morgan J. Ingram. That was yeah. an awesome one. And, yeah. Uh, got me fired for today. So happy to chat. Yeah, Morgan, um, doing great things, man. Doing, uh, I saw he's just kicking back up the uh, SDR Chronicles. Good for him. I know that's kind of what put him on my map, anyways. And um, yeah, sure. I, I, I was fun to kind of reconnect with him. Um, so I probably did kind of a poor job of introducing yourself. Do you mind taking just a minute and telling us a little bit about kind of your rich history and also what you guys do over there at Everstream? Yeah, sure. So uh, Matt Amundsen, I'm the VP of Marketing and Sales Development here. At Everstring, um, I I think probably the the part of my past that people would care about the most is um, you know I was one of the original sales development leaders at Marketo, uh, along with a gentleman by the name of Steve Dodsworth, who's you know my mentor and you know taught me everything there is to know about sales development. Uh, so Steve and I worked together for for years, put together I think you know one of the best sales development teams ever here in the Valley. Uh, we took that team from about uh, four or five people up to about 45 put uh, SDRs on three continents and just had a blast all the way up through the IPO of Marketo. And that was just an awesome rocket ship. Uh, left Marketo, went to work at a company called Tibco, um, yeah. which was an awesome experience. Worked in like multiple business units doing things from various things from uh, sales development, inside sales, demand gen, kind of got my first start in kind of a marketing role there. Uh, and then uh, landed at uh, my current or my current employer uh, Everstring about just about three years ago now, um, and uh, and Everstring is uh, is a company that is creating the world's best B two B data and providing it to sales and marketing teams so that they can do really amazing stuff like identify accounts that may be in market, identify accounts that are a great fit for your business and prioritize their database and, and prioritize their day uh, with uh, with really, really accurate data. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, some cool things I think we're going to get into a little bit about this data space, you guys. And um, as Matt and I were talking, a lot of synergy um, between kind of, I think, what InsightSales.com does and, and what Everstring does is they dive into some of the data and we think about then obviously utilizing that in the the prospecting initiative. Um, before we get into that, I was thinking um, you and I share that common connection. I forgot you were really good friends with uh, Maria Pergolino. Is that wasn't that correct? That was right, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah I mean, it's definitely correct. Maria's been you know a close personal friend and mentor. You know, she's uh, 
She's really helped me here in the Valley. It's, you know, I, I would be nowhere without her, uh, but it's, uh, both as a professional, but you know, she's a great friend too. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. I noticed the, I'm, I'm hoping she's listening. That's why I wanted to call it out. She still owes me a podcast, but, uh, um, congratulations to her and her move over to Anaplan. I thought that was, uh, I'm sure that'll be a fun move for yeah. her, but I'm sure Aptis, uh, I'll miss seeing her down at Aptis, but I'm sure she'll she'll rock it over there at Anaplan. Um, so uh, let's get into this. Two quick questions. Um, uh, outside of work, anything you're passionate about, uh, fun things you do, embarrassing moments. Uh, um, you you write dirt, you know, bad things on LinkedIn about people, or you uh, any secrets you want to share? <laughs> you know, I've always been kind of a collector. Uh, so when I was growing up, I was a bit of a sneakerhead, collected a lot of. Sneakers, bought and sold them uh, at you know various places. That was always fun. Uh, as I got a little bit older, I got into collecting watches. I just I love mechanical watches. Anything made by hand is something that uh, I'm a huge fan of. But actually, uh, New Year's resolution. I know it's it's right around that time. I'm uh, I, I put down all my my fancy schmancy watches and uh, I picked up a GPS activity tracker and so. This year, I'm actually trying to collect miles. So, uh, you know, I, I, I was an athlete in college. I played football and I'm trying to get back into physical shape. And so put down the fancy watches, got an activity tracker, and I'm, I'm out running every morning at 5.30 a.m. So uh, in terms of embarrassing, um, if you want to drive around Foster City, California at 5.30 a.m. and see a, a giant, really slow runner, you could find me uh on the trails <laughs> good to know yeah good to know i don't get to foster city often early in the morning it's usually uh lunchtime for me no um good man uh, one more one more zinger i got for you um obviously cool career in both kind of sales and marketing as you played in that sales development space um aspiring leader or someone who ran into you and said hey man great career. What have you kind of done to be successful? What's kind of the top of mind response that you'd throw out to, to someone trying to jump, you know, jump in their career and move into these types of leadership positions? Yeah, I'd say it's, it's two pronged. I think in, in my move from, from going from an IC to, to a manager level person, it really, it's uh, I think everybody, especially here in the Valley and other tech hubs is trying to gain efficiency to be able to do, way more and less time. And, you know, they want to get in and get out of work fast. I, I, I really took kind of the opposite approach. I, you know, my father was a probation officer and worked in probation for 45 years. And, you know, he was a guy who got to work early and stayed late every day. And that was, you know, kind of my big, um, it was, it was one of the, my big secrets is, you know, I got to work every day, like 15, 20 minutes early and always stayed about 30, 45 minutes late. Um, you know, I always kind of thought about like, what's the trade off here? What am I, what am I rushing home to get to? And, you know, I always thought, Hey, if I got home at five o'clock, I'd probably spend 45 minutes or an hour just sitting around watching TV or doing nothing. If I spent that time, you know, having FaceTime with our VP of sales at Marketo, a guy like Bill Bench or, wow. you know, John Miller, our VP of marketing, like the fact that they saw me in chair and they saw the grind, I thought, I thought was really important. I didn't just sit around. I mean, I used the time to work, but you know, I think a little bit of extra time in chair really, really goes a long way. It shows a level of passion and commitment that I think a lot of people are like, Oh, well, you know, I've got this email trick where I can send emails faster. I, I, you know, I've 
got this dialing trick where I can dial faster, but it's a physical presence and a passion that I think extends a long way. And that was really what, what I think drove me quickly from going from being an IC to a to managerial level person. Mm. Uh, in the sort of next phase of, of my career growth, as I went from a manager to, to, to a VP, it's really about self-education, learning as much as possible and engaging with as many professionals as possible. You know, uh, we talked about Maria at the top of the podcast, but, you know, if I didn't have, you know, these other great resources in my career, people like Heidi Bullock and John Miller and Ray Carroll and, um, you know, people like Peter Herbert at Terminus or Kristen Wendell, um, you know, these people that I interface with on a regular basis where we can share knowledge and I can learn from them, you know, coming into to, to, to your role uh, with a little bit of an empty cup that you want to have filled by these experts is really, really important. Uh, so, so not feeling like, you know, everything and you can just kind of lower your head and, and push through a brick wall, but actually leaning on other people for help is, is really what's, what's made the biggest difference in sort of the last three or four years of my career. Yeah. Yeah. That's some, I mean, that Marketo, that, that company's produced a, a lot of entrepreneurs, um, certainly kind of even in our space, as you mentioned, you know, kind of the terminus world and the, the engage you, I haven't, I haven't caught up with John Miller in a long time. I, I felt like Engageo was really moving and then i kind of lost track of him it'd be interesting to kind of see how those guys are, are humming along as he had some great ideas moving into that space um conversation yeah, probably for a, a later time <laughs> um, um so uh, appreciate it man i think it's great advice and you're right you think about um the nine to five and it's just not the same i mean my mantra's kind of been it changed a little bit, you know, and I, I, I had a, a few boys join the, the pack here, the Larson pack, but yeah. um, I do try to get, get home um, and hang out with those guys for a couple hours, but I love kind of the 10, the 9 PM, 10 PM to midnight session. It's uh, where I typically find my, my juices are most effective. So um, love going the extra mile there. Let's switch gears. I want to go into this talk track. I mean, you've been playing obviously in the Marketo and marketing space. You've, you, 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 that's the position you currently run is in marketing. Um, leads and lists are kind of just the day-to-day conversation. Big picture on um, thinking about this idea of leads, list, um, how companies are thinking about accounts. Why is it so important that a company nails that? I mean, nails the idea of who they should be actually thinking about as they go about their sales and marketing activities. Well, I mean, identifying ICP is everything, right? It's, you know, it's your ability to, to have, you know, messaging that resonates with the right types of businesses, a product that, that matches up to that company's needs. I mean, that's, that's critical. Of course, I think, um, I d- being able to identify your ICP and then expand into what that total addressable market is, is very difficult. And nailing that is hard. I think people have leaned on the concept of account-based marketing as a solution to that. And I think it is the solution to that. Now, I think, you know, the, the concept of account-based marketing or sales or everything or revenue or however people like to, to refer to it, really anybody who's got a, a thought process around accounts is headed in the right direction. One of the big mistakes of marketing automation um, you know, companies like Eloqua and Pardot, Marketo made was, you know, putting too much emphasis on the individual. Behavioral data will always be important, right? Like having an understanding of who's doing what on your website and how they're engaging with your marketing is important. The problem that those systems didn't address was what was the company that those people worked for? 
And I'll give you a prime example of it in terms of running sales development at Marketo. As leads were coming into the SDR team there, if two identical VPs of marketing that were from an identical city that occupied an, that were from an identical industry did identical things, a la they downloaded the definitive guide to lead nurturing, they looked at the pricing page, they would both be scored incredibly high. And there would be SLAs saying, hey, you got to follow up with this lead, you got to follow up with this lead. But if one was a VP of marketing at, say, Salesforce.com, and the other person was a VP of marketing at, let's say, a two-person uh, consultancy. Marketo and Eloqua and Pardot, they, they did, didn't differentiate between those two businesses. And so one is a terrible fit for your, for, your, uh, for your product. The other is a perfect fit, but it's not separating those businesses by the companies that they work for. Sure, you can use like employee size as, as a scoring methodology if you want. But really, that behavioral score is always superseding it. And so what, what marketing automation did was it sort of forced people to say, hey, if you're a company like Marketo, or if you're a company like HubSpot, and you've got all this great content and people want to come and, and read it, you got to follow up with all of them. When the reality is those people may work for businesses that flat out can't buy your product. And so taking an account base or an account-centric approach to thinking about who we want to sell to and does that company fit into our ICP's total addressable market is a very different way of, of going to market. It starts with the account first and then thinks about the person second. And that is really the way that people have sold for forever. Like you think about, you know, in the 80s, 90s, and, you know, certainly before then, you know, in software sales, people wanted to go sell to businesses. They wanted to go sell to Sun Microsystems while they were still a company, right? They didn't think about like, I really want to sell to Gabe Larson at Sun Microsystems. They were like, I want to get Sun Microsystems as a logo. Yeah. And salespeople really still think that way. So if you have an understanding of the accounts that you want to sell to, and then the people secondarily to that, that's when you're starting to hit home runs and you're spending your time wisely selling to the right types of people. And it has it's not just a top of funnel. It has a massive downstream effect. When your salespeople are selling to businesses that can't really buy from you and those sales cycles get long, your CAC ratios jump way out of whack. If you've got a great salesperson and they sell to a company that's a bad fit, that company's probably going to churn down the road. And that has massive implications on your business, especially if you're in SaaS. So being able to identify the right accounts and spend the right time with them, close them, nurture them as customers and get them to renew, it all fits into the overall umbrella of account based. And that's why it's more important than lead based. Yeah, interesting. Do you feel like, um, I mean, you talk about ICP, you know, you talk about kind of figuring out what is, what, you know, what's your total addressable market or maybe your ideal accounts, et cetera. Um, You've been in the space for a while. What what is the thing that really drives? Um, I mean, is it really just different for everybody? Or you know, you're, you're talking to a sales leader and you say, "Hey, some of the things you should probably be looking for as you think about you know what is an optimal account." Is there common denominators that you typically find kind of across company? You know, I think that's. I think I think it is really uh, case by case. It's business to business. Um, you know, I think, you know, for us, we, you know, with, with the product that we have and we sell and we use internally, we're able to put together, we've got this internal dashboard called our fire dashboard, hmm. which essentially utilizes our own technology to determine how fit a business is for our product offering. We have partnered with Bombora, who you may be aware of. I'm sure you are. Oh, yeah. And they provide us a hint 
Um, we've partnered with another uh, company um, that gives us some relationship data. So it allows us to have an understanding of how many people in our company relate uh, to a business, to a, uh, people at another business. And then of course we use Marketo scoring for, for engagement. So we have, you know, uh, just I'll cut to the chase. Uh, F-I-R-N-E. It's our fire dashboard. They're our hottest leads. They're companies that have high fit, are exhibiting intent. We have a personal relationship with, and they're exhibiting engagement with, with our marketing department. Really, that four dimensions of, of a relationship between two companies will tell you that these are definitely the best accounts that you want to sell to. They're a good fit for your product. They're exhibiting intent. They're doing uh, investigation into your space. You've got a relationship there. And, and they've already engaged with your marketing. So I would say that, I, I'm not sure that that answers your question, but being able to provide to your sales development and sales team and uh, essentially a dashboard of all the accounts that are doing that type of stuff is, I think that's like, the, you know, the, the cream, the, 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 the sort of air that's bursting out of the cream on the top level of, of, of your uh, latte there. <laughs> I like the analogy. I mean, one of the problems that this space is, and we were kind of talking this pre-show, is that kind of garbage in, garbage out. And that's, you can apply that in a lot of different situations. But, um, you know, you, you try to build um, your ICP or you try to, you know, get some models to see if you can't figure out what, what is ideal or what's optimal. Um, but, you know, sometimes you're lacking some key ingredients. And so, you know, you try to score you know, I use scores just an example to figure out, hey, this is maybe my optimal customer, but I only use two inputs. And so that's not that great. Maybe one of the inputs isn't even accurate, right? So um, how do you think about the space of just accurate data and how that fits in with this concept of prioritization? Well, you know, the, the, you've hit the nail on the head, I think, with, with data accuracy. And I think you know, you can go on LinkedIn seven days a week and find the discussion on data accuracy and the challenges around it. Um, it's it's something that literally every business deals with. It's the quality of data, and and the tricky thing is, is you get a lot of these. You get a lot of people that really specialize in data. You get companies that specialize in firmographic. You get companies that specialize in technographic. You get companies that specialize in you know, in front of the firewall technographic. Behind the firewall technographic, uh, companies that are just contact providers, companies that uh, append data as it comes in. And they're all coming from different sources. And I think one of the major challenges that really most operations uh, teams, whether it's sales or marketing ops, are facing is trying to pull all that data together and, and have it make sense. And that's the hardest part. And you know, for a lot of the vendors in our space, that has been one of the big challenges. They haven't been able to create accurate models. They haven't been able to, to you know, predict which companies are the best fit for your business because they're pulling together all these siloed data sources and just trying to make them line up and they don't line up. And so, you know, one of the things that really differentiates our business from, from our competitors is we went out and we said, you know, we need, to, we need a system that can collect curate, and in some cases, create data that is more accurate than any vendor out there if we really want to be able to you know, create these models and be able to have people discover net new accounts and have an understanding of who's got to fit and who doesn't. So that's, that's really one of the primary differentiators for, for us is we actually had to go out and create a system that could build an, uh, a database of the world's most accurate data. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the combination of those two, the 
kind of the prioritization, but the prioritization of good, you know, accounts. <laughs> it's like you don't want to be prioritizing crap, right? Um, so, last question, and we can kind of wrap up here. I mean, as you move down the process, it does feel like one of the big knocks on this space is, and I think it happens with almost anything in sales, you know, salespeople just genuinely don't like to. I'm, I'm probably being a little bit, you know, general speaking here, but you know, I mean, sales op, they don't like to adopt tools. They don't like to be told what to do. And, you know, you, you, you know, a marketing team potentially or a sales ops team says, Hey, these are the best accounts that you need to go after. There's maybe a score associated with it. And those sales reps are like, ah, yeah, I know, I know better than whatever that score is. And I don't even know what that score means or how, how do you think about the, applied prioritization conversation you know how do you certainly it's great to just get a win and get my top accounts but like we said if nobody actually uses it then so in the one part it needs to be accurate as we were talking about but if then if nobody uses it again it's like dang it it doesn't matter how do you make sure that people use it it works into their workflow it they they understand it etc etc any secrets to success there yeah, well, I mean, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, specifically for sales users w- with our product, we we modeled it in a lot of ways after what you guys did in, in terms of you know bringing the bringing the product offering directly into the place where salespeople work the most, which is inside CRM, yeah. and exposing exactly what it is. You know, you can you know you can get into into our platform inside of uh, Salesforce, uh, look at a company's score, and have an understanding of why it scored so high with you know massive amounts of data that you're able to uh, essentially extract or just observe uh, at, at your leisure. And I think that's I think you know giving people exposure to why scores get created, why that business is a good fit, which customers that company is similar to. So you've got sales intelligence on how to approach them from a messaging perspective is one of the primary differentiators, again, of our product. The other thing, too, is, you know, we've democratized our our platform um, in, in a way of saying because we don't force you know, a centralized administrator to just say, hey, this is these are the best accounts. We allow salespeople to get into the platform uh, and say, you know, hey, these are the last four accounts that I closed. I want to find everybody else in my territory who looks just like it uh, and, and do that, you know, within minutes, not, you know, days. And they don't have to go ask somebody for it. It's a very simple process to use. So I think that's one of the differentiators. They don't have this sort of draconian centralized person saying, you know, I bless this list and it is perfect and you must follow it to a T. But they give the, sort of the access to it and allow the, the salespeople to go in and, and build it on their own in a way that's very, very simple. Oh, no, interesting. I think the, those are kind of the three things that were on my mind, Matt. You know, it's kind of the, the quality of the data, you know, thinking about the models and then thinking about the application. I think you laid that out pretty well. So um, as we bring to a close here, again, appreciate you jumping on. I know we've interacted um, in different, you know, we've seen each other at conferences um, uh, as, a, as a customer at Marketo and I'm certainly a fan of what you've done and what you guys are doing over there at EverString. If someone wants to get a hold of you, um, or wants to learn a little bit more about what you guys do, what would you kind of recommend? Yeah, I mean, if they want to learn what we do, you know, you can check us out on everstring.com. I think we've got a, we've got a great amount of resources. Um, the one thing that I say every time I come on a podcast or do a webinar like this is I always say, you know, if you're a, if you're a young 
sales development professional um, or a young leader or somebody who's looking to get into leadership and you've got questions, um, you don't have to go it alone. I mean, there's been some amazing folks that have helped me out in my career. Uh, guys like uh, Ralph Barcy and certainly Steve Dodsworth and, you know, Craig Rosenberg um, and people like Scott Keen who ran sales development for Salesforce for years. These are people that, you know, generously gave me their time uh, and advice, and I'm always willing to pay that back. Uh, so if you ever have any questions about sales development, or metrics, or running a team, recruiting, whatever it is, you, you can hit me up anytime. I'm available. Uh, you hit me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm there. You can hit me on Twitter. I'm at MattyA56. Uh, you can hit me on my personal email address. It's just Matt at Everstring.com. Um, I'm available to anybody who's got any questions about sales development a hundred percent of the time. Yes. Hey man, we'll really appreciate it again. Um, thanks so much for joining great talk track on data prioritization and uh, scoring models. So with that again, Matt, thanks so much for joining for the audience. Remember success, just one play away. Mm -hmm.